Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the final episode of our series on Disney's Peter Pan, for now. Next time will be a non-Disney adaptation, but we'll be back to Disney soon. Today, Stanford and I are joined by Mark Brown, and we're talking about the most recent adaptation of Peter Pan, which was brand new when we recorded this last year, the direct-to-streaming Disney Plus live-action remake, Peter Pan and Wendy. I guess before we get into everything, what are your initial thoughts on this, either as a movie itself or an adaptation of Peter Pan or an adaptation of Disney's Peter Pan? Like, how do you feel generally about this movie? We can start with Stanford. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'll just go ahead. And I, you know, we'll get into some. Of it. We'll get into some of the reasons. But sad, I should really say, sadly, I had, I was actually quite looking forward to it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I've liked some of David Lowry's work in the past. And I thought that, you know, just based on the promotional material, that it looked like it could be promising. Yeah, I thought so, too. And I really liked his Pete's Dragon adaptation. Yeah, it was that. I thought it was excellent as well. Yeah. For me, I guess I have two opinions on this. There's there's how I feel about the film itself as a film, and then there's the grade that I gave it when I watched and reviewed it for my blog, and they're a little bit different. <laughs> for I my I use a template to rate movies on my blog, and by using that, this film got a pretty high rating. Um, but my personal feelings toward the film as a film, it wasn't quite so high i didn't dislike it actually i was kind of surprised myself but it was mm-hmm. it was more like it was it was okay i'm i'm glad i watched it um i could watch it again uh and that's kind of how, how i felt about it it wasn't the worst thing i've ever seen yeah i think i feel similarly i probably will watch it again like if somebody wants to watch it i would have no problem watching this again because i liked it I didn't love it like I thought I was going to. Like, I was expecting yeah. Pete's Dragon levels of being amazing. And well, I hated just Pete's kind Dragon of movie, so I was glad. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I liked Pete's Dragon. I liked how different it was from the original. Yeah, I enjoyed it, too. But yeah, I, I don't know that I was, like, disappointed by anything. I just thought that it wasn't as good as I thought kind of was expecting it to be because like i saw the trailer and was like oh this could actually be this looks promising yeah and then it was just fine i guess the way i feel about it it is is like besides some of the great visuals in the film i think disney did a good made a good decision releasing this to disney plus rather than to cinemas i think oh, it's I definitely a disney plus type of film besides like mm-hmm. i said there are some visuals that i adore like we're gonna we'll talk about it but like there's a there's a scene where like Peter Pan jumps off a horse from the cliff onto the pirate ship that's floating in the air because of the magic pixie dust. And like, I, I, I took a screenshot of that. Like I love that, that visual so much. Mm-hmm. So I think stuff like that would have looked good on the big screen, but, but yeah, besides that, in terms of just the overall plot and how stuff went, uh, yeah, it's definitely a Disney plus kind of film. 
Yeah, I for a few scenes while I was watching, I was like, I wish I could watch this on the big screen. But then the rest of it, even though it looked good, it still felt like a TV movie. Yeah. And specifically, it felt like a movie from the 90s. <laughs> like it felt like oh, interesting. Yeah. A, a kids movie from the 90s. Like, a, like, like Tall Tale or something. Yeah, it just the way the kids acted, the way the story went, it just felt like something I would have watched and loved as a kid. But as an adult, it was just fine. Here's a question I have for you guys is, do you guys see this as another one of Disney's remakes? Like, is this a remake of a live action remake of Disney's Peter Pan? Or do you see this as just another adaptation of the Peter Pan story? Both. I see this both, too. Same, yeah. same with you, too. I'm kind of stuck in both. <laughs> yeah. There are scenes that are like directly out of the original movie, but they've put their own spin on how they get there, why they get there and who is playing in that scene. But it's still directly from the Disney version. Now, Peter Pan, too, has been so often told, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. through through other, you know, versions of Disney and non-Disney, yeah. uh, that it just seems like this 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 just fell into one of those. One of those. But also, just as you're saying, John, you know, things that were really similar, you know, to the 1953 animated one, Mm-hmm. And then they used a little bit of the music, just like a little bit, you know, a few notes. Yeah, from you can yeah. fly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that was it. Like, oh, I was excited. Like, oh, we're getting a song. Oh, wait, nope, we're not. <laughs> uh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, they just Psych. turned it into score, which I did like, but I wish they would have done more of. Yeah, I do too. I kind of wish that they would have just embraced it rather than just yeah. kind of give a little hint. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that. And and I guess I don't necessarily fault it for not being a full-on musical and you know using all the same songs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I just thought if yeah if they're going to use you can fly they should I wish they would have just used it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I can't remember. Did they use the score from um, the crocodile song in this? I don't. I don't think so. Mark. If I don't they think did, they did, it wasn't enough that it stood out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. I don't think they did. Well, in the one big set piece with the crocodile, it was definitely not because I cannot remember what the name of the song is, but there was a very recognizable classical music piece playing while the crocodile was chasing the pirates. Let me just say that crocodile was huge. I've never seen such a big crocodile ever in a film. (laughs) The whole crocodile scene felt like something out of Jurassic Park, but made for kids. Yeah. Like if I if I saw that on the big screen, I think I would be legitimately terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like calling that a crocodile, I don't think is even the right word. (laughs) No, it looks like I don't remember what the. I'm probably going to butcher the name, like Protosuchus or something. The one, the thing that's like a crocodile, but it's enormous. But also, probably, this kind, yeah. this kind of looked more like a gharial because of the snout shape. It was long and thin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking like a caiman or something like that. Some something. It was. It was not. It was not crocodilian enough. It was like it was in the family, but it wasn't a crocodile. <laughs> Like the picture, like reptile scientists watching this film and critiquing it. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's totally unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what the word for reptile scientists are, so I'm just calling the reptile scientist. Herpetologist. Sure. There we go. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know that because of a series of unfortunate events, which I read many times over the years. Nice. And their uncle was a herpetologist. See, books teach you things. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
That was a weird amount of things that I learned from a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> it was like they hid a lot of educational stuff inside of a bunch of ridiculous stuff. And that you're kindly sharing with us, John, and helping it, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, improve, improve our knowledge. knowledge. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, before we get into the movie, we could talk about the cast. Mm-hmm. Was there anybody that really stood out to you besides Jude Law and Jim Gaffigan? Personally, I I I kind of like the I forget his name, but the kid who played Peter Pan. I, I Alexander Maloney, did, correct? Ewan, yeah, Mr. Alexander Maloney. <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I like I I felt there were a lot of scenes where I could I could see like the uh, the childishness and the stuck upness of Peter Pan's character in how Alexander Maloney played him, and I I kind of like how he. Uh, uh, portray the character in those scenes there are some parts where peter pan just gets a way too like sympathetic and depressing mm-hmm. and it's like that's not the peter pan i'm yeah uh, granted i've not read the book but based on everything else i've seen that's not the peter pan i know but um mm-hmm. overall i did like him i had no problem with with uh, i forget her name now who played one ever anderson ever anderson thank you uh, she's the daughter of was it mila jovovich or she's someone some famous person's daughter but Anyway, um, yeah, her Wendy was again fine, except I think they just make her a bit too, you know, warrior esque. As you know, I I kind of felt the same way, and like I usually don't have a problem with that, but it felt felt out of character for Wendy. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was off too. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why they they they're trying to call the movie Peter Pan and Wendy, but I mean, it's more just they want to give Wendy, you know, more of a. Like, oh, she does stuff. She kills pirates or shoots them or something. Yeah. So, but Warrior so that Wendy. Felt, Warrior Wendy. It just felt off to me. Yeah. But um, yeah, Jude Law, I thought it was amazing as Captain Hook and Jim Gaffigan was surprisingly good for Mr. Smee. I can't really remember the others. <laughs> I was looking, I always like uh, I think Alan Tudyk, if I'm saying his name. Oh, okay. Correctly. Alan Tudyk as Mr. Darling. Alan Tudyk, thank you, is I think always solid. I thought he was great, and I wanted him to be Captain Hook. Me like too, I liked so you Law. Re- yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I really, really wanted them to him to play Captain Hook like they usually do. But. Yeah, which is is kind of a standard, right? And and they broke from that, which I thought uh-huh. was kind of a bummer because I was really looking. I thought Jude Law as Captain Hook was re- was a really great idea for casting, but mm-hmm. I don't think that the script really matched. Yeah, his, especially know. with where they took the character. Ooh, Just imagine that's... what Alan Tudyk Captain Hook would have been. That would have been so. <laughs> it would have been great. It would have been <laughs> yes. off the chart. I think he would have been fantastic. Yeah, Jude Law was almost too refined or too much of a gentleman, you know. For, for I thought for yeah, Captain Hook. But again, maybe I'm just projecting what how much I love the 1953 Captain Hook in the in, in the animated one. I I think I was least... just expecting him to be more unhinged, and he really yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say that's what I like so much about how unhinged and Alan, Alan Tudyk could have, I think, really aced that. But yeah, he definitely could have. But but I think too part of it was the script. You know, I think Jude Law probably could have done a, a good job with it too. But mm-hmm. but given given what he was asked to do, I think part of the lack of unhingedness is. I guess we'll talk about it as we get to it, but it's how they wrote Captain Hook's backstory, yeah, his relationship with Peter Pan. I think that's what plays into him not being as unhinged and over the top as we would want or expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I thought the actress who played Tinkerbell 
I thought she was cute, but I kind of felt they didn't give Tinkerbell enough to do. I don't know. Maybe. What did you think? I want you. I'd love your opinions, guys. Yeah, because I, you know, like I like Yara Shahidi because she was one of my favorite characters in the show Blackish. Yeah. So I was looking forward to seeing her in t- as Tinkerbell. I d- I liked her and I liked the character, but it did not feel like Tinkerbell because Tinkerbell is halfway to evil. Like Tinkerbell is like a little snot. And yeah. this was like she was super nice, which she I mean just I like. So yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there was wasn't, there was no wasn't... um rivalry between her and Wendy, right? From no, they were friends. Yeah. Like she helped her out. Which I guess is fine. It just didn't feel like the Disney Tinkerbell. Yeah. What was your take on it, Mark? What 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 do you do? I actually forgot about Tinkerbell until you mentioned her. <laughs> so I guess that that kind of that kind of that probably uh, that, tells you how much says, uh, impact she made. It, yeah, how much? <laughs> like I, and I think you know the character. Uh, I know Tinkerbell's not supposed to talk, but it it seems it's. It, I felt maybe it was a waste of the actress playing the character be, to not talk until like the very end, uh, and then there's the whole issue with like. Oh, she actually does say stuff, but Peter Pan doesn't really hear her, but Wendy hears her because she's a girl, I guess, <laughs> at the end. And then we finally hear the fa- the words she says. So I don't know. That, that was kind of weird. I don't I don't really remember what the explanation for her finally hearing her was. I don't know. She says something like, Wendy, thank you for hearing me or something like that. So yeah, I, I think but they as far as like why. She actually yeah, it felt like there was a lot of things... Like I just went through this. I, I I recorded a couple of episodes with my cousin about two different Care Bears versions of things, <laughs> and not that this is on the same level of not goodness as the Care Bears, <laughs> but it felt like a lot of things happened just because, like they just happened. Like that's where the, the story needed to go, so that's what's going to happen. It didn't have because to make the sense. The script said so. <laughs> Yeah, like that was like the entire Care Bears thing. Like nothing made sense in those. And a lot of stuff did make sense in this, but there were a few things, especially the Tinkerbell talking finally at the end, that was just like, well, we want her to talk, so she's going to talk. We're not going to, we're not going to make it make sense. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Which I guess is fine. It's a, it's a fantasy. So whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Well, as far as the other kids, the kids who played John and Michael, I thought they were the best kid actors in this whole thing. I thought they were great. They felt like real little kids. The other kids... I, I, I was annoyed with the young one. <laughs> Is it Michael? <laughs> Whoever's the youngest one, he just annoyed me. <laughs> well, he felt real. It, uh, not not that he needed to feel annoying or whatever, but he yeah. felt like an actual little kid. And mm-hmm. maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But I don't think they have much that they've done in the past, so I have, I have no other frame of reference other than this yeah. movie. But they seem to be to be the best actors in this whole thing because all the other little kids were cute, but for the most part, you could tell that they were acting. At least to me, it they didn't feel completely genuine. Like this is a real small child. It felt like this is a kid reciting lines, which is fine. Most like I don't have a problem with that, especially with little kids. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter to me that much. And all these kids were cute, and I'm happy with them in their parts. But for me, John and Michael, they felt like real little kids. I'll give you that for John. I think I would see that in John that he didn't feel like a kid reading his lines. Like I, I felt that was John from the 1953 Peter Pan come to life. Mm. 
Yeah, I I I agree. I, if John and Michael, I thought worked, and I kind of probably didn't stop thinking about him, and it just was focusing more on all the negatives. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, they were like, okay, yeah, these these are two good little actors, and they they look the part. And for the most part, I think all of these kids are mostly unknown. Like for Peter Pan and Wendy, they've done a couple other things, actually. I didn't realize that I had known Alexander Maloney for, from something else because he was in the English dub of a French animated film that I really like called The Big Bad Fox and Other Tales. He played yeah. a little kid chick, like a little oh. bird. I didn't realize that too until after. I saw that. Yeah, I looked that up and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that character because I like that character. <laughs> oh, interesting, yeah. And then Ever Anderson played young black widow natasha romanoff in the black widow movie yeah another one They're like oh, okay that's where i've seen her before <laughs> i didn't see that one and then all the other little kids i didn't recognize except the twins and i didn't recognize them like recognize them like oh yeah that's who they are i looked them up i was like oh wait a minute i do know them they played the daughters of sergeant jeffords on brooklyn 99 cagney and lacy <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about it. It's been a while since I've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They were much I, younger then. But yeah, so I recognized the twins. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have, I've seen a few episodes of, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love that they named the twins that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were characters that were, like, they were always mentioned, but rarely seen. Uh, okay. That's funny. I just uh, looked it up. Ever Anderson, her dad is Paul W.S. Anderson, and her mom is Mila Jovovich. Ah, okay. okay. Thank you, Mark. Now we know. Now, okay. Now we know. <laughs> she has, she's a, she has celebrity blood in both she, of her Well, sides. and you know what? She looks, she looks like, a, like her mom in a lot of ways, yeah, yeah. doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. As far as the pirates, I recognized a lot of faces, but I don't know who they were or which names they were. Like, there was a lot of pirate people in the background the only exception is the guy who played one of the main pirates um i guess his name is bill jukes i don't think he was ever referenced by name in the movie that i remember but he played the bald man in a series of unfortunate events the series on netflix oh okay so he's the main one that i recognized Another series of unfortunate events reference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think my favorite pirate, though, was the one that kept going after Michael, the one who wanted his bear. I don't know why I liked that guy. <laughs> I thought he was funny. You know, that was a pretty good gag, running gag, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm looking at the list and I don't recognize any of these actors either. I mean, maybe if you know, went through all of their filmographies. Well, I wouldn't oh, have yeah. recognized the name of the actor anyways. He's yeah. John DeSantis. I, uh, John DeSantis, not Ron. Oh, I thought you were talking about a governor. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was in the movie. Wow. I <laughs> before, before, maybe that's why he came after Disney, right? <laughs> this is the movie you put me in. That's it. <laughs> But yeah, I wouldn't have recognized him by name. I just recognized him as the character that he played. As the character, yeah. Well, I guess we can go into the movie itself. I thought it was interesting that it opened with a logo that looked like the logo in the original movie. Like the Peter Pan, the font, and then having the feather on it. Yes. I don't remember that. <laughs> then again, I saw I saw this like a month and a half ago. <laughs> 
I, I do. And I thought it was, I thought, oh, cool. You know, I kind of got, I, I thought, okay, someone's paid attention and it was like an homage and it was stylish. And I thought, okay, fingers crossed, mm-hmm. you know. Poor, poor Stanford, it just went downhill for you. I know, and then for them <laughs> there. <laughs> Great logo. Oh, no. It's oh, there. The movie. <laughs> yeah, this one, they've changed up what's happening with Wendy. They're having her leave for boarding school the next day. And she is more involved in the play with her brothers. Like, she ends up breaking a mirror because she's sword fighting with them. And then she blames her brothers, and then when they ask her about it, she's just like, well, we're pirates. So I'm every pirate for himself, something like that. I think that's one thing I didn't like about her character change in here. Like I feel the Wendy from the original, at least, you know, the Disney version is maybe more, more nurtured and more loving. I feel like she would have taken the blame for her brothers. Whereas yeah. it, the Wendy in this is not as, you know, they they definitely make a point to say to say that oh she's not she's not a motherly type. They really yeah. hammer in that she's a warrior type in this. Movie. Yeah. So. And you see the parents here, and I liked the dad better in this one than in the animated one. I'm not a fan of the animated. Oh, Mr. I, I Darling. love him in that. I love Mister Darling the animated one. He's one of my favorite characters. I love him too, but I guess. I lo- I think Hans Connery plays his play name is helps it. Yeah, Hans Connery, and I love how he's victimized. I guess self victimized. <laughs> <laughs> That's I a like good those way to put it. Self victimized. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear what you're saying, John. I hear what you're saying, John. Yeah. They all go to bed, and then Tinkerbell arrives to get Wendy. Like, there's they've changed this whole scene around. It's a lot shorter, actually. There yeah. is the shadow does come into play, but like. When Tinkerbell gets there, she immediately makes Wendy fly because she had, I guess Peter yeah. Pan like heard her wish to never grow up or something. So that, they've got this plan to take her to Neverland where she will never have to grow up. Yeah, it's confusing because like you said in the original film, the reason they're coming is to look for Peter Pan's shadow. But here, the shadow is there, but it's like, it's not even referenced or mentioned. It, it, it feels like it's just thrown in afterwards once they kind get there. Kind of, yeah. Rather than, oh, that was that was the reason they were coming there in the first place. Yeah. And sorry, before we get to that, I was going to mention the, the, the lullaby that the mom sings to Wendy. What do you guys think of that? I thought that was a really good song if that was the original song. That was pretty, too. Yeah. It was fine, but I don't really remember it very much. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. Like, I thought... That was one of the pluses I gave to the movie. Like, if that was an original song, and I think it was, it was really. I think it was an original song. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, they do have the shadow scene, but they get it reattached very quickly, and then they're off to Neverland. I liked that they addressed the Nana thing because I always wondered how long Nana had to float up in the air <laughs> on her chain. <laughs> but in this one, they just have her swim back down to her doghouse. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. I, I love I, I love when Nana in the animated one how she waves goodbye and she's <laughs> out of there upside down and waves. Oh my me, I'll figure out my own way down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's not barking and having a fit. Uh, <laughs> she's just uh, grateful for the experience. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, well, just another day. <laughs> it's a dog's life, they say. <laughs> yeah. And then, like we said, they have You Can Fly a score in here. And I really liked that. I wish there were more of it, but I liked what we got. And then 
I loved the scene where they fly through Big Ben like it's a portal to Neverland. I thought that looked so cool. You know what that reminded me of, Jonathan? It reminded me of the Christmas Carol one version animated one that we saw. <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> That's what that reminded me of. With uh, Jim Carrey? No, they made an animated remake of the Albert Finney Scrooge. They, they oh, came to yeah, Netflix yeah, yeah, last yeah. year. And there's like a time traveling part portal element to it. And that's what that reminded me. That's what they did. I guess it didn't remind me of that because I loved it in this. <laughs> I thought oh, it looked so I, cool. I, I loved it. I loved it in this one too. But it just reminded me of, I think it was the colors and how they animated it. Yeah. But this, this is one of those things. This was like the first thing where I was like, I wish I could have seen this on the big screen. And at this point oh, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't like, I hadn't gotten far enough into it that I was thinking of it as a TV movie. I thought I was thinking yeah, of it as a regular movie that had been downgraded to Disney plus. So when I saw this, I was like, this would have been so much better on the big screen. And then I changed my opinion later, but I still would have liked to see this on the big screen, this specific scene. Yeah. I thought the flying scene, they did a nice job. And, you know, there was the homage as we've already mentioned with the music and they kind of made it their own thing. Yeah. And, you know, kind of what they did to, um jonathan when we talked about uh return to neverland mm-hmm. how they made that you know oh yeah the, the portal yeah it was all that portal was almost like a kaleidoscope where they were going into the world of tron or something. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh still, it was different <laughs> yeah and, and and you know and, and that's okay uh, that's okay well they get to neverland and the pirates are shooting cannonballs at them as they do (laughs) because this tinkerbell is nice they don't have the scene where she goes and tries to get her kid tries to murder wendy Wendy. one of her many attempts (laughs) yes she just ends up getting separated from everybody else like a cannonball hits the cliff they're hiding on and somehow she wound up far away from everybody else even though she was in the middle i didn't think that made a whole lot of sense but that was one of those things where it was like yeah well this needs to happen so this is how it's going to happen moving on yeah they they all got separated very weirdly yeah but this is where she meets tiger lily and the lost boys and And some of them try to kill her (laughs) (laughs) yeah at first i thought that they had changed it so that tiger lily was one of the lost boys but then you later find out that she's not like officially part of their group she has her own people but she just hangs out with them all the time i guess she's not part of the gang <laughs> she is and she isn't she is yeah john i remember <laughs> you know i don't wish to be a jerk but i can't say that i loved this interpretation of tiger lily either i mean i thought it was cool that again she was you know a leader and and again kind of you know like warrior princess too. yeah again it had that mm-hmm. uh, that warriorness to it which i don't necessarily mind that but i don't know i just kind of felt like well this is how we're going to deal with the trouble with the racial stereotyping from the 1953 film we're you know we're gonna we're gonna elevate this character and i don't know i mean i'm not sure what i would have done but i'm not sure that would have been yeah i felt the same because like like i like aspects of her character i do too and she's beautiful i mean i loved her i loved her costume i loved how she was you know incorporated uh, you know visually into the story but it would be interesting to know like how someone who's actually native american would feel about the character because on the one hand she is a great character but on the other hand it felt like they leaned too hard into good stereotypes 
Right. Like, like the original was bad stereotypes, and this is like good stereotypes. <laughs> so I don't know if they could have found some sort of happy medium. A happy I don't medium. know. Yeah. Like, because like she is a good character, but like every time she would do something awesome, there would be like Indian war cries incorporated into the score, which just felt kind of too on the nose. Yeah, like I like I kind of liked the music in like, but it felt weird also. So I don't know how I feel. Yeah, I'm I, I'm with you, John. I thought it was yeah, great way to say it. I agree with you guys. I felt she again they they made her more warrior warrior e compared to the Tiger Lily in the animated Disney film, and like yeah, some of it works. Some of it feels just over the top and she's just super warrior because the script says she is yeah so well with this after she's met everybody she sees through a telescope that the pirates are capturing john and michael and this is the first thing where they take one scene from the movie and then change it up do their own thing with it because in the original movie tiger lily is the one who's captured and they have to save her yeah. But in this one, John and Michael are captured, taken to Skull Rock, and then Tiger Lily, Wendy, the Lost Boys, and Peter Pan all have to team up and rescue them. And this is the where Lost it really Boys started. Girls as well in them. Yes. Yeah. Which I <laughs> yeah. thought worked worked for the way they did it in this movie. But that and then I was reminded later on, I think the original thinking with the Lost Boys was that girls were like too smart to not to never want to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Kind of like a non-flattering uh, portrayal of boys, right? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's fine. I I don't care. It's, I, it's similar to how I felt about the inclusion of girls in the Pleasure Island scene on the Disney Pinocchio. It's like kids are kids, and little girls are just as capable as of being bad as little boys, so I didn't care that they were also taken off to Pleasure Island as well. Yeah. So the I guess, girls could I guess be. With me it's the it was the name. Like I thought, maybe they should have changed the name to Lost Boys or something else. I don't know, Lost Kids or something. <laughs> lost kid, lost children. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't really care either way. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't bother me at all. But yeah. Anyways, this is where things really started feeling like a kids movie from the nineties. <laughs> just the whole feel of this, where they're <laughs> like, all... the, like the Goonies. Well, I guess that's the eighties. <laughs> I mean, it could fit in with that too. Just the way the kids were talking to the pirates and the t- pirates talking to the kids, just the back and forth and then the fights. And it just felt like a kid's movie from the nineties. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. It just felt like something that I would have watched and loved as a kid. But yeah. now as an adult, it's like, meh, this is fine. That's a really good point, John. Cause I thought too, just the way that whole uh, sequence was staged, a great way to put it. It almost felt Maybe a tad cheesy. Is that the right word? I, I would. Know. I would say yes. Okay. Like, like it wasn't cheesy in a grading way. It was cheesy right. and yeah, this isn't perfect, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah, I was like, like we're, I, we're, we're having fun with this. Yeah, I have a feeling that they were making this more with kids in mind than with adults, and that's fine. Like, I don't think that everything must be made for all ages. Like you can make a kid a kids movie, and that's what this can be, because I think kids will like this more than adults, and that's fine. I think also part of it is the uh, like the Peter Pan. Um, I forget the word now, but the, like the Christmas pageants that they do in the UK that are like over the top and cheesy and pantomimes. Like pantomimes that's the word, and I feel a lot of that is probably influenced by Peter Pan pantomimes. Mm. Oh, yeah. You could be right. 
Mm-hmm. I actually haven't ever seen one of those. Yeah, I never seen one in person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the original play, you could say, is somewhat Peter Pantomime esque because, like, don't they, when Tinkerbell is quote unquote dying, don't they actually talk to the audience and say, hey, yeah. hey start yeah. clapping to bring her back to life? So yeah. there's yeah. that audience participation there. You know, one thing too that just really started to sink into me as as the film continued once they arrived in Neverland was how unappealing Neverland was to me. I I kind of felt the same way. Like it wasn't bad, but it just didn't feel magical. I guess no, it's not the place like a kid would want. Yeah, like you know, I thought again a gorgeous place. You know, according to what I found, you know, on a Google search, it was filmed in Newfoundland and Labrador. If this, if I'm saying it the right way, to me, it looked like it was from, you know, it was from the novel Weathering Heights. It was like the <laughs> the, the British Moors and just like, that's not a, you know, I, I want to go to like the jungle or, you know, to someplace yeah. that's more exotic, which I thought was really well represented in the 1953, you know, of course, mm-hmm. version, of course, it's, you know, animated or whatnot, but there were trees and, you know, there was all sorts of stuff going on where this just being out on the more again in the trailers I thought, oh that looks so pretty and then once we kept spending more time there just thought this neverland is so dreary i kind of felt like that too i, I wouldn't want to you know i wouldn't want to go there i didn't think about that until you mentioned it but but i i can agree especially when we get to like where their hideout is <laughs> yeah it just it, it felt, just continued for me it felt like a place not that i would not want to go there because well, like I'm from Iowa and I've hardly ever been out of Iowa. So like anything is more exotic to me, <laughs> but it felt like a place <laughs> where I would want to go on vacation, but it would Darien, be one yeah. place that I would go. And then I would want to go someplace else next time. Like I wouldn't yeah. feel like I would want to go back there. I'd want to see it once and that'd be enough. Yeah. Same. I really want, I really would love to go there, but I just thought this was, this does not seem like a setting for Neverland, you know, just yeah. like this, this wonderful fantasy place for their pirates and mermaids and you know and all and all the stuff mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, speaking of mermaids we barely see them i think don't we only see them when they're flying yeah and then that's i was <laughs> i was waiting to see more of them because i thought their design was interesting because it yes. looked like their tails were jellyfish tails yeah like they they might have had the fish underneath the jellyfish tendrils or whatever they're called but like it was like they had a skirt of jellyfish tendrils or tentacles or whatever the little the lacy stuff is and i thought that looked cool and i wanted to see i wanted to get a better look at them but then that's all we got maybe they figured we're already getting a little mermaid movie this time like, <laughs> our audiences can wait for the we're not gonna actual probably. <laughs> you can't afford this <laughs> yeah maybe they use like some background little mermaid characters as like stock characters in the <laughs> right. scene and that's exactly. all they did with them I think I would have preferred more mermaid than what we got. Okay, you twelve doing yeah. anything right now? We got a film. <laughs> Peter Pan and Wendy. It'll, it'll be quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. I liked the designs. I just wanted more of them. I wanted a better look at them. Yeah, same. Yeah. There's no drowning of Wendy in this one. <laughs> no, yes. they're not trying to murder Wendy. No attempted yeah. murder. No, I I forgot to mention the the main attempted murder was Captain Hook shooting somebody through his door. And I thought he was dead. I was like, oh, they're going dark with this. But then he moved and he's fine. I was like, how did he survive that? 
Yeah, that's a strong door, man. <laughs> I think that should have been the first indication that this was going to be more aimed at kids because yeah. it's, it's really like the only maybe death is the crocodile scene, which we're getting to in, in Skull Rock, because I think the crocodile eats one of the pirates, but it's off screen because like all the kids react like they've just seen something horrible, but yeah. you don't know what it is because they don't show it. So it's like. The, like the whole crocodile scene, it felt like Jurassic Park, but no blood and the music was fun. <laughs> like they had that, they had that, like, I don't know what the music is called. There's like a really, like when you watch it, you should recognize the classical score that they use because it's, it's something that I've heard a lot in other things. I just don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I don't remember either, but they used like a very well-known, like a, a theme, right? From, yeah. from, from, from a classical piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked that scene. Like, it felt like this This was really where it got into, like, this is more for kids. Because it was fun, but it, I did not get any sense of danger from any of this. It did not feel scary. It felt just fun. Yeah. But yeah, they eventually are able to escape, escape the crocodile. And they go back to their hideout, which is some kind of a ruin. It's like, I don't know, an old castle or something. It reminded yeah. me a lot of, like, King Louis' place. Same here, Mark. Yeah, oh, maybe <laughs> that kind of vibe going on. <laughs> but yeah, just this kind of decrepit. Yeah, maybe a little more European than yeah. we got in the Jungle Book. But the same level of ruin, right? Just <laughs> yeah, different, yes. just <laughs> overgrown architectural the... style. Yeah, yeah. And Tucker, at least, like I can go in. These aren't my people, or something like that. I forget what she says. For she, like, she... some reason, she doesn't go in. She says she's leaving because this is their home. It's not her home. And yeah, she says okay. that it, maybe it's not your home either. Like, tell this to, she's talking to Wendy. She's like, this isn't my home and maybe it's not yours either. So then you get inside and the Lost Boys are talking about Captain Hook and Peter. And you get the sense that they're connected somehow, but it, they're not going into it yet. And Wendy's like inquiring, like, well, what happened in the past? And then Peter gets mad and flies out. And then Tinkerbell is like prompting her on go after him. And she climbs up to the top of the castle. And he says that Captain Hook was once his best friend, James. He was the very first lost boy until he left Neverland and grew up. Which I thought was that's, strange. That's when I checked out. I mean, that's <laughs> at that moment I thought, oh my goodness, this movie is going there and I hate it. I hate it. I feel I've seen that before though in another adaptation where Peter Pan and Captain Hook were friends. They were, and he they were was BFFs. The, yeah, and he was the original Lost Boy. I can't remember where though. There there was a have you guys seen Neverland? There was a miniseries called Neverland a few years ago. I think I, I know not. what you're talking about, but it I was like a not Peter Pan it. origin story with Reese Ifans played um, Captain Hook and Kira Knightley was like the voice of Tinkerbell. And I think if I remember vaguely, they did something like that in that with Peter Pan and Captain Hook, but don't quote me on that. But it was like hmm. another Peter Pan origins kind of story. Okay. For my personal taste, and, and I'm really anxious to hear what you, you both think, you know, think about this particular plot point. I get frustrated when a bat story is created for a villain in a lot of ways, because mm. typically it's more sympathetic and mm -hmm. maybe that is a good thing to do, you know, to show that this is a redeemable, you know, character, 
that, you know, had came from this circumstance and bad things happened and, you know, these choices were made, right? But this just frustrated me because he just thought, you know, it's Captain Hook. At this point, it's kind of become a joke. It's all, yeah. it's like a trope of the, the Disney live action versions yes. to try and redeem the bad guy, which I can understand wanting to do. And I think it would be fine if they do it once in a while. But at this point, it's like they always do it always. to the point where I was surprised that they didn't with the Little Mermaid. Like they let Ursula be evil, which I was I... kind of surprised about. John, I, I felt the same way. I thought I I just was certain that that Ursula was gonna get more of a backstory and she's like, Oh, poor Ursula, you know. Yeah. Was, well, I mean she did get more of a backstory, but she was it was never she's like, evil. Yeah. <laughs> it was never like she had this tragic past and that's why we should feel sorry for her. It was more like, No, she had this past and she chose to become evil because of it. Yeah. And she's still evil. We need to defeat her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that really so the combination of you know and they're in i thought that the lost boys lair was so uh gloomy yeah you know that not that they needed to put it in the you know a tree trunk but that was like that's i want to go there like the one from the 1953 yeah it was like i'd want to hang out there that's so cool yeah Uh, again this they're 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 hideout felt like a place that i would think is cool to visit once and then it would be like well i saw that don't need to see it again yeah. whereas the original one it felt like someplace you would want to explore because like i don't know how much they go into it but i've read and then i think it was talked about in the jake and the neverland pirate series where the their tunnels like go all over the island like yes. it, it's really something you can explore and fun whereas this is just this empty tower yeah, fun for kids, you know, yeah. you know, just for childhood, you know, imagination and exploration and just cool. And then it makes me wonder, like, I feel with the, you know, that big ruin just there on the island, I feel Captain Hook would have found Peter Pan <laughs> and his later much earlier. It's, so obvious, it's, so yeah. it's, not, it's not really hidden. Yeah. It's, it just yeah. takes a little bit of exploring. And I'm sure he would have, you know, found yeah. it earlier than he did. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And I agree with you about the... um the villain backstory being a sympathetic thing. And I think it's Disney is probably at the forefront of that trope, because like you said, with, especially with the live action Disney remakes, you know, Maleficent in particular, it's like they're oh, just, just to, just to give them some redeemable backstory to make us feel sorry for them. And it's, um, you're right, John, like it's become like a joke and even animated films start, you know, following that path so that's why like when i saw puss in boots 2 i was really really happy with <laughs> you know little jack horner and like they they yes. hammer it into you yeah he's just evil like he has this jiminy cricket jimmy stewart kind of <laughs> conscience bunny bug who's trying to find some redeemable quality in him and he's like he can't find anything i'm like yes i'm glad we have a evil character who's he's, he's just a bad guy he's just uh-huh. evil. yeah like i have no problem with finding like one of until this became a huge trope thing, one of my favorite things in movies was a redeemable bad guy, like a bad guy having a, a villain redemption arc. But now it yeah. seems like it happens all the time and I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's the ubiqu- ubiquitousness or ubiquitous, yes. the word is of it, that it's, it, it makes it seem like nobody can be bad. Like if, if someone, if a character is bad, there's obviously a, a sympathetic reason for it and uh-huh. you have to be sympathetic rather than like you said jonathan's 
sometimes there's stuff going on in in your past and because of that you've made the choice to become bad and mm-hmm. now we got to defeat them so yeah i think that's also part of it i think in 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 another movie i think i wouldn't mind as much having a more sympathetic captain hook i think it was just the fact that this is the disney version yeah where it just felt off having him try to be more sympathetic yeah and i don't know that they ever fully made him more sympathetic they kind of it felt like they wanted to it to be both i don't know it it didn't feel fully fleshed out to me yeah i, I didn't like anything about it like i don't know you know when they make that live action hunchback i'm just wondering what what the redeemable backstory for frollo's oh, like like right. they give him they give him an origin in like the you know the the musical play that they've made like and that makes sense to with the character but I just worry what the what the film is going to do with his character. I think that it's probably not even going to end up being made. <laughs> I uh, think it's going to be another well, Chernabog a... situation <laughs> where they say that they're going to make a Chernabog movie and then they just decide to not. Because Chernabog making just... Chernabog redeemable. <laughs> like, he's just misunderstood, guys. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> he's not the actual devil. No. He's the, yeah. <laughs> He just wants to have a party. <laughs> and all these darn people with their lights keep messing up his party and his darkness. <laughs> oh, let me tell you. So yeah, that's when for literally for the rest of the movie, I was just ticked. And I, you know, and I kept watching it, but I was still, I was just like, I hate this thing. I hate this. <laughs> like I said, it didn't it didn't affect me that much because like I said, I do remember some Peter Pan adaptation yeah, where they did this version, before, yeah. but I, so I was like, it wasn't new to me. It was like, oh, okay, they're doing this, but again, I can't for the life of me remember where it is, or if I just made this up, made this up in my head. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it bothered me that much because I don't have much connection to the original. Like I haven't seen it that many times, so I'm not like super stuck on the fact that Captain Hook needs to be unhinged. I just thought it would be more fun if he was. So this yeah. didn't like bother me or anything. It was just like, oh, they're doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like I said, it felt like they were trying to do both because they also have him show up at this point. They go downstairs, the pirates have come in, they've captured everybody. And then Captain Hook ends up slashing Peter across the chest. Like there's actually blood too, which I was surprised about. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. It's kind of blends into his shirt. But it seems at this point that he has killed Peter because like he falls to his death. Like even if the blood, the slashing and the blood didn't kill him, this fall would have because he falls like, I don't know how many stories tall this tower thing is, but he falls all the way to the bottom and hits the ground. Yeah. There's no reason for him not to be dead after that. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and maybe he's supposed to be, I don't know because I don't really know what's going on with tiger Lily because once he hits the ground and everybody's gone, his shadow is still alive. So his shadow gets up, detaches itself, and flies off to get Tiger Lily. And then Tiger Lily comes back and, like, I don't know if she uses magic or what, but she nurses him back to health. So and I don't know. This was the part that I was mentioning earlier. It's like after the shadow comes to get Tiger Lily's help, like, she goes back by herself. I would, I'll be like, why didn't you bring the whole tribe with you? I know. Oh, that's true. For, I didn't for, for this. I wonder the same thing too. It's like there's a whole we see like like 50 people there, and she just goes, Nope, I'm just gonna go by myself. I'll be right back. 
It's like, yeah. this is a dangerous situation, first of all. Don't you want your whole tribe to come with you? Warrior gets... Princess. Yeah. She could handle she she could handle a marauding pirate crew by herself, I guess. I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even think of that, but it would make more sense if she'd gone yeah. back and gotten her crew. Her well, tribe. I thought it would have been more interesting if she had done that too. Uh, and that also I think again, part of just the redeeming way of uh, you know uh of cultural uh you know it could have been maybe it, they weren't they, possibly maybe they just wanted to avoid the optics of having yeah warrior indian tribe yeah fighting pirates maybe they thought that would look bad or something that would be bad i don't know someone probably would have put a screenshot of that posted on the internet without any <laughs> no uh, context or no anything context. Yeah. freaks out yeah I guess I suppose, sense. but still felt off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that felt kind of off. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the kids they get dragged away. They get thrown in prison in the ship, and Hook reveals that the reason he left Neverland was because he was banished by Peter, and then he eventually got lost at sea and was rescued by Mister Smee and the pirates who raised him. And then when he returned to Neverland, grown up. Peter wouldn't accept him and they became enemies. Well, I guess that's my question. When it sounds like he never did he leave Neverland? Because I know he went to look for his mother and he couldn't find her. But it sounds like he just got lost on the way out of Neverland. And then the 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 Mr. Smee and the other pirates found him in Neverland in one of the many waterways, and that's where they raised him up. So that's why that's why I was confused. Like, how does if they're still in Neverland and they raise Captain Hook, why does he age and Peter Pan doesn't? But if what you said is correct, then maybe <laughs> maybe the pirates were out of Neverland, and that's how he got he aged, and then somehow I don't know, you got the pirate ship to get back into Neverland in the second place. So that, that just is... confused me. This is why I felt like there were just some things that they were like, this needs to happen, so this is going to happen, and then we'll Scripts move on. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine. It's a fantasy. I don't care that much, but it would have been nice to have a little bit more explanation. Yeah. But at this point, Hook decides he's going to kill everybody, but Wendy promises that if he takes only her, the rest of the kids can be good pirates for him when they grow up. So... This is where things sort of go back to being similar to the movie. Yeah, but that they put their felt own... like a Wendy thing to do. Yes. Yeah. Self-sacrificing, the... right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like she walks the plank, right? In the mm-hmm. 53 one. Yeah. yeah. They they do their own thing with this scene. They have their own song, if I remember. Yeah, they, they as good did as the other song. They did a bunch of pirate sea shanties throughout the movie, just little bits of songs, which I thought was fun enough but they weren't too memorable yeah so yeah you have the scene with her walking the plank and then there's no splash but in this case it was because not that the whole thing with tinkerbell like betraying everybody because of jealousy or whatever that never happened she's she is trapped but she eventually manages to escape the lantern by smashing it and then she saves wendy and Peter comes later with Tiger Lily. It's not like they, she has to go rescue him from a bomb or whatever. So basically, at this point, Tinkerbell is more Wendy's sidekick than Peter Pan's. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we get to the the scene I like, where mm-hmm. he's riding with Tiger Lily, and he jumps off the horse off the cliff onto the 
pirate ship and i just love that scene so yeah there was a really good visual, visual. Mm-hmm. yeah because tinkerbell I, i'm not really sure why but she makes the entire ship fly at this point so this whole thing there's like a, a long epic pirate battle on a flying ship which is it does make for some cool visuals it looks cool i agree yeah yeah it, it really did look good that would have looked good on the big screen yeah mm-hmm. oh, for sure yeah. yeah, and this is this is the point where I was like, this would look cool on the big screen. The rest of it would be meh. So then it's like, this was, thinking back, it felt like a TV movie that had a big budget that they blew on two scenes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the rest of it's fine. And then there's just a couple scenes that look awesome. And then the rest of it can't li- live up to those I was saying it's like Geppetto at, at the end when they run out of money and don't even show the the uh, the whale <laughs> the whale swallowing Pinocchio and oh from Geppetto, Geppetto. the the, yeah. the TV movie version yeah <laughs> yeah Did you ever see that Sanford the Disney TV movie Geppetto with Joe Carey yes but a long time ago yeah <laughs> that was a fun episode that he Jonathan and I recorded <laughs> I, yeah I I'm curious I got to check it out because I I remember thinking that was a, kind of a weird show it was it, it was it was that a, was that an accurate memory or was I, again was i just trying to block it out of my mind <laughs> yeah it was i liked it a lot but jonathan did <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say our podcast should be entertaining if you want to check it out i was gonna say you've, you've posted that already yeah you? yeah 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 okay yeah so you could check it out when we're done if you want i mean yeah for sure i'm gonna check it out but yeah you have the long epic pirate battle including a scene where wendy like turns the whole ship upside down which makes everything even cooler i guess (laughs) and you have peter arriving to confront hook and then the this is probably the worst scene or maybe the most cheesy slash cringy scene where he like apologizes for being a bad friend and it was like this feels like something that would happen in a little kid show version of this is, have have like Peter Pan apologize for being a bad It did not friend. feel authentic or no, right in no. any way to me. It didn't feel like Peter Pan at all. Like I said, no. earlier, they would try to make Peter Pan's character more sympathetic or not sympathizing and apologetic. Which yeah. It's not what I expect from Peter Pan. No, Peter Pan is supposed to be an extremely narcissistic character who right. is barely likable. <laughs> And the captain, yeah, and the captain hooks all self aware and all this yeah. stuff. I was just like, what? It's <sighs> <sighs> <Just> driving me crazy. <laughs> and for to walk out of that screen, was like, I gotta watch <laughs> something else now. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> they cleanse the palate. Yeah, Puss in Boots too. There we go. <laughs> yeah, good movie. But yeah, he apologizes, but of course, Captain Hook doesn't accept. He still tries to kill him, but Wendy flies in and stops him. And then he ends up falling and Peter's trying to save him. And like, they try and give him like pixie dust so he can fly, but he doesn't have any happy thoughts. So he falls into the sea. <laughs> That's that kind of made me think, laugh. <laughs> you, think he's gonna, you think he'll be dead at least, but <laughs> uh, I was just shaking my head. Every choice. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I should have just been laughing, John. I was just ticked. 
I mean, I, I guess it makes more sense since you have such a nostalgic connection yeah. to the original, but I didn't, so. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. But then after this, you have all the Lost Boys deciding that they want a real home, so they decide to go back to London and live with the Darlings. Which, <laughs> like, I'm sure, I don't know I'm how sure that would work. Hey! <laughs> Here's like a dozen children for you. More to raise. children. Well, Wendy's going out to boarding school. They got one, one, one. That's more. right. <laughs> when, well, they could convert Wendy's room into cram twelve kids into one bed. Have <laughs> lying around. All right. I like how the parents aren't that. They're not as shocked as I thought they would be, or like wondering, hey, yeah, where, where did all these kids come from? Their their reaction did not seem to match what my reaction would be if a dozen children showed up in my house <laughs> in the middle of the night no less yeah <laughs> when do we have to talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then you get another scene with oh, peter God. pan and wendy together where you learn that this actually used to be his old home until he ran away i mean that just that just felt so forced and written I just was thinking, what is next? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. That was so bad. It's just so, oh, so that's the very house that you lived in. That's the same house that you go back to all the time. And just serendipitously, they're in it. Now lives kids who are telling your stories in that same exact house. (laughs) That was just way too much for me. I'm with you. But uh, he, she wants him to come and stay and live with them, but he doesn't want to. He's not ready. So he leaves, goes back to Neverland with Tinkerbell. And then back in Neverland, you learn that Hook and Smee survived. Uh, so yeah, maybe there's going to be a sequel. <laughs> sequel! Sequel! <laughs> and Hook, la- Hook smiles, so maybe he did f- forgive his friend after all. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I've got one more gripe, and I promise I'll stop. Thank you, friends. But uh, you know, I think Jim Gaffigan is a very funny comedian, and I like I like him a lot. And again, I just mm. didn't feel like the script really played to his talents. That is true. Smee was I not as funny as I expected. Smee's not funny. He wasn't funny, and he wasn't written to be funny. It seems. Yeah, when I heard that Jim Gaffigan was going to be Smee, I expected him to be the Smee of the cartoon. Me too. And I mean, I was surprised and impressed by how well he was able to take on a more dramatic role. Yeah. But also, it's Jim Gaffigan, so why not make him be ridiculous? Well, exactly. And, you know, I thought he, he his British accent was fine. You know, yeah. he... But, but I thought it was a lost opportunity to really, yeah. to, to really to have him shine. Yeah. Uh, but again, maybe that just, you know, again, wasn't the intent and everybody was on board but i thought it was a waste another another you know bad choice <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know like i said i think it was fine but it wasn't what i expected and i mean yeah good point i can say that about the entire movie so <laughs> it was it was fine it wasn't what I, what I expected but it was fine <laughs> take it take that however you want <laughs> well does anybody have any final thoughts about this movie <laughs> Other than it was fine. My biggest, I think my biggest issue with the movie, besides everything that I've mentioned already, is I feel plot wise, there's one, there's only one plot. The, the, the kids go to Neverland. As soon as they go to Neverland, the, uh, John and Michael are captured. So they go to rescue them and then they go to the ruins and then the, the pirates capture them and then they go 
they're on the pirate ship and then Peter Pan goes to mm-hmm. rescue them. It just seems like one long one one plot line and i felt yeah. like you know like the yeah. animated yeah. version there's at least like subplots and there's like there it's not it's not one thing leading to another leading to another leading to another flowing like that there's like there, there's a, it seems like a film with like different stuff going on here it just felt there was literally one thing going on and one thing led it led exactly to the next thing which led exactly to the next thing and because of that like i don't know it it the, the film experience was kind of lessened for me because of that. But I guess yeah. in terms of my, how I feel about the movie as a movie, I, I can't say I did not enjoy myself watching this. I did. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I liked a lot of the visuals. I did have problems with a lot of the cast. Uh, I wasn't hating myself every, t- every minute of watching this film. And just based on that is why I have more of a positive reaction to this film again as a film as a live action remake again i'm against the live action remakes i'm just waiting for them to stop and as as another adaptation of peter pan like i said i just had so many issues with what they did with the characters how they portray the characters and the whole condensing of the plot into just one single plot uh that that's where yeah that that's kind of my my thoughts in a nutshell there if I had to watch the movie again, I don't think I would be. I hate myself for watching it, but it, it it's not like there's you know there's a billion other good live action Disney movies I could watch instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel probably similarly. I mean, I liked the movie well enough that I would have no problem watching it again. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be because I was expecting it to be one of the top tier. Well, I mean it. Uh, it's better than a lot of the live-action Disney remakes, so I suppose maybe it is. But I was expecting it to be better than it was, and and the fact that it's just fine is fine. Like uh, like I said, I feel like this is more of a kids' movie, and I think kids will like this, and that's fine. Like it it can be for the kids; it doesn't need to be for everybody. It would have been nice if it was more for everybody, but it's not a bad thing that it will only appeal to kids. And I think it will, because I, when I was watching it, I felt like I would have loved this in the 90s, but now it's just, it's fine. Sanford hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I hated it. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Which I guess is not surprising, since you loved the original. So yeah, much. that's a good, yeah, good point. It would have had to have been an absolutely amazing film for you to be able to forgive yeah, all oh, the yeah, changes. I think so, I, I think so too, <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for them to get out of this. They have to run out of movies eventually to do live action oh. remakes of, but I mean, I we're still yeah. coming. We got Lilo and Stitch coming. We got Bambi coming. We got well, Lion King 2, which is not based on Lion King 2. We have Moana. <laughs> Moana yeah. coming like within two years or something like that. Yeah. A couple so. years from now, they're going to announce Ralph Breaks the Internet, the live action. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With the rescuers right behind. <laughs> live action mice. <laughs> I actually wouldn't be opposed to that because apparently there's a lot more books than the one that they took and the book yes. was even its own thing. So I would not be opposed to a different version of the rescuers. Oh, the but... Aristocats, they're doing that one too. So. Oh, yeah, they're doing Aristocats. <laughs> the Aristocats with Questlove. With Questlove. <laughs> like, what? okay. Well, did I... you see Bambi too? <laughs> I, I saw they finally got a director attached. Well, I thought Bambi was going to be one of the ones that they announced and then it never saw the light of day, but apparently it's still 
Yeah, it's probably happening. So, uh, I feel like the fact with the Aristocats, I was like when they announced it, I was like, I rolled my eyes, like, ugh. But now the fact that Questlove is involved, (laughs) it's like, what on earth? It's like this. This must be something that he really likes. He must have loved that movie growing up or something. Like. I only know him as like a musical sidekick in, on late night. So the fact that he's like totally involved in a movie, it's like he must have some connection to this movie and maybe he really wants to make this. So I'm willing to give it a bit more of a chance. He did a documentary recently. I think his documentary was spectacular, by the way, mm-hmm. it was um, called summer of love. Uh, summer of love. That's what it was. It was about, Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. Summer of soul. It was about the, uh, uh, Har- uh, Harlem Music Festival that happened in the late 1960s. I think you I and Rachel talked about it on a podcast, and that's why yeah. I knew about it. And I think both she and I really yeah like that film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I love Oscar, right? If I'm not yeah, I don't think I knew Questlove did it. I remember, I remember you talking about it, but I didn't retain the information yeah. that it was from Questlove. Yeah, yeah, he did that. So, so I guess he he broke that ice. So like, okay, now I can tackle the rest of the cast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have experience under my belt. I'm I'm not uh, going to expect the Aristocats to be good, but I will now. I am now looking forward to seeing it, just because he's doing it, and I want to know why he's doing it. Yeah, why is it? Did, say, did, did he do a Broadway cool. musical too as well? Westlife. Good question. Well, was he? I don't know. There was a Broadway musical recently based on a book. Uh, back in the 20s about an african-american man who like makes a machine to turn african-american people into white people and they they made a broadway musical about it i think he's the one behind it if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong but i think it's him i forget the name of it now though i'm on his wikipedia page i'm not seeing anything yet i'm just i'm just scrolling i see something about he was supposed to they were going to do like a soul train musical uh for broadway but I don't know if, what, what, that's, what happened to that. Probably COVID happened to that. I wish Disney, if they're, you know, I mean, we've talked about this in the story, I don't, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but if they're going to re- remake movies, why don't they remake, like, I want them to remake The Black Hole or, you know, some live action yeah. yeah. No. Live action remake of a live action remake, I'm fine. Live action remake, yeah. Animated remake of a live action film, I'm also fine with. I would be more than right. Fine with that that would be flip, awesome. Flip, I wish they did an that animated too. Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Imagine. Oh, that. oh that would be awesome. It'd be so cool. Yeah, there's a lot that they could do. I think that they probably won't though, because they can no. make the live action ones cheaper. <laughs> I have a feeling that's the main reason that they keep doing these is because it is more cost effective. Oh, sorry, the musical is called Black No More, and it's not Questlove, it's Black Thought. He's the one who did it. Oh, okay. He, he's also with In the Roots. Oh, okay. oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only person in the Roots that I knew the name of was Questlove. Just because he's like, Same. <laughs> not that he's the co host, but like he was on Jimmy Fallon like all the time. All the he was time. Ed, Ma- Ed McMahon of um, Jimmy <laughs> yeah. Fallon. Yeah. And so distinctive looking, you know, and all that. Yeah, he's. He's he's cool. I I really love that Summer of Soul film, but again, that was just more like he discovered it and then I think you know edited it. This Aristocrats is going to be Aristocats. Excuse me, it's going to be a whole um, Aristocrats would have been a different movie. <laughs> the Aristocrats, <laughs> <laughs> right? They're they're taking the live action, you know. 
really seriously. And with the Aristocats, it's not going to be live action. <laughs> oh, I mean, to even, to even no call it live action, right? It's like Simba and Nala. Live the live action Lion King, like really. Like uh, it's one thing to be able to do live action dogs and then CGI on a mouth. I, you, you, there is no way they're going to be able to get a, a whole flock of cats and make the cats do what they want. And then put the mouths on. Them. Also, yeah, they're they're gonna, gonna have to animate these things because cats, uh, cat like I'm a cat person. You don't make cats do what you want them to do. Cats <laughs> will do what they want to do. It is say, and you gotta be happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not gonna they're follow the direction. Not you. Yeah, you you'd, yes. you'd need like an absolutely amazing animal trainer if you're gonna be able to make all of these cats do all the things they need to do. I cannot, like, if they can do it, more power to them. I will be very impressed if they are actually making this a real live-action film. But I think it's going to be like Lion King, and it's going to be mostly animated. Now that you mentioned it, I can't think of a movie now that live-action movie that had a bunch of cats in it. <laughs> well, I recently rewatched that darn cat from okay, the yeah. 60s. And yeah. I thought I read they like used, like, nine different cats. But yeah. Yeah. I think they just must have had cameras everywhere. That worked, but yeah, and, to have like and then and they were able the to edit. Time, yeah. They were able to edit, you know, what the kind of the performance that they needed from whatever, yeah. whatever they were able to capture. Because just see how in the world would you even would you even do that with cats? I don't think you could. <laughs> or like the Incredible Journey or something. You know, I don't know how they pulled some of that stuff, but I don't think that's what's going to be happening with the Aristocats. <laughs> as, as we said, I think it's going to be made in a, in a computer. I will be amazed and impressed if they do. Edgar. Edgar, a a better, uh, a different backstory, a sympathetic (laughs) one. Well, I wonder if it's even going to be set in Paris, you know, if it's going to be kind of modern day. And are they going to have American hillbilly dogs? (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm the leader. I say when it's the end. It's the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if they do if they do the Aristocats, they should do like the original script, like the one that was they were working on when Walt Disney was still alive. That, that I think there was a butler and a maid working together. Like they should go oh, back know. and do like the original script instead of trying to readapt to the animated film. I think it would work a lot better. And in a way, kind of give it a purpose. Yeah. Rather than just a money grab, you know. Yeah. Like that that's that's the best way to do a remake is make it its own thing. And yeah, I mean to I guess to bring it back to Peter Pan, I think they did that a they did that good enough. They made it its own thing with nods to the original. In some places more than others. And it wasn't like the Lion King where it was almost completely a shot for shot remake. Right. Yeah. I, have no, I have no problem with the remakes generally. My, my issue with yeah. the live action Disney remakes is I feel it's done with the sort of feeling that animation as a medium is childish or subpar or not film enough. And that's why with the live action film, now it's a real film. So that that's really my biggest issue with these remakes existing as they mm-hmm. are, more so than them just being remakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because I feel there's a lot of kids like who are, again, it's not a bad thing or anything. It's just not the way I would raise kids. But there's a lot of kids who are, would be growing up now that these live action remakes would be what they watch first and their first 
versions of a lot of these stories. And I feel if you're not introduced to animation as a medium from an early age, it's going to be hard to fall in love with it again as a medium later on. Mm-hmm. And I feel, you know, at least me growing up with, you know, the Renaissance was my time. So that's, I think, what cemented my love, not just for Disney, but animation as a medium. Mm-hmm. And I feel kids who are being there, who are watching these live action remakes for the first time as as their first exposure to these stories won't have that same instilled love of animation. But again, I guess that's not a crime. <laughs> Just not the way I would do things. You know, I, I, I'm right there with you, Mark. Well, I suppose that would be a good note to end this one on. Go for animation. Get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> well said, though, my friend. Well said. Well, I'm sure we will have you both back for other things in the future. Yeah, this was fun. I don't think we three have done a podcast before. Together. No, this was no, this yeah. was great. Yeah, it was fun. We'll have to think of something else. Absolutely. We've all done it with each other, like every both two of us each ways, but all, yeah, all three of us. Me with Jonathan, me with Stanford, and Stanford. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, until we figure out the next thing to do, <laughs> do you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you, Mark? Uh, yeah, um, I have two blogs. You can check them out. One is the Animation Commendation at animationcommendation.com where I do reviews of animated movies, top 13 lists, and I have my own game show, Who Wants to Be Millionaire Animation Edition. Currently, Season 9 is going on, and both of these guys here are, are in, involved in Season 9 this season. Jonathan as a contestant in Stanford as my expert. So, you know, take a look at that and let me know what you think, and I hope you enjoy it. And I have a second blog, My Live Action Disney Project, at MyLiveActionDisneyProject.com, where I intend to watch and review every theatrically released and now Disney Plus released live action Disney film ever made. And I also have my my review of Peter Pan and Wendy on there, so you can check that out. And Stanford. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark, and I have a movie podcast and blog at MoviesPastAndPresent.com. Okay, until next time. Thanks for listening to every version ever. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and follow my co-hosts as well. My link tree and all of our links will be in the description below. If you want more of my content, all my podcasts are available on YouTube as well as most podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this show, check out one of the other podcasts or check out my Patreon for bonus and extended episodes you won't find anywhere else. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.